For the last seven weeks, uh, today is the eighth week, we started our series on the art of prayer from the perspective of the Lord's Prayer in, in, in Matthew chapter 6 uh, from verse 9 to 13. And the Lord has been good to us. We've tried to understand what prayer is all about so that we can be effective in our prayer time. Amen. And last week, we talked about the fact that prayer is the activation of God's will or the activation of divine will. And so uh, from uh, Matthew chapter 6, we, we heard that um, Jesus told them that when you pray, say, let your will be done. Amen. And so based on that phrase, let your will be done, we established the fact that prayer is the activation of divine will. Amen. And so when we are praying, we are activating the will of God in our lives. We are activating the will of God in situations around us, and we are activating the will of God in the lives of others also. Amen. So we thank the Lord for bringing us to uh, another section, and I believe that God is going to minister unto us. We're just basically going to tie up what we started talking about uh, last week, which is prayer is the activation of God's will. Uh, we finished off with a scripture which we're going to start off today and then we finish off and then move on to today's lesson. Amen. We thank the Lord. We thank the Lord. James chapter 4 verse 3. James chapter 4 verse 3. We read this scripture last week and um, we're just going to start off there and then add one more scripture and then we finish off with today's. Amen. Praise the Lord. So I'm going to read from James chapter 4 verse 3. I'm reading from the New King James Version. It says, you ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasure, that you may spend it on your pleasure. Amen. And this scripture we quoted last week and um, we started expounding uh, on that scripture and we're just going to raise some of the uh, points that we talked about last week and then we move on as the spirit leads. Amen. We started by saying that it is worth noting that a delayed answer we call it a delayed answer, but a delayed answer is yet an answer from God. God answers us, but we call it a delayed answer, but it is the answering of God according to his own timing, because we establish that God works with time, with time and perfects all things in his time. We said that the will of God is tied up to the principle of time and timing. And so when we pray and come before the presence of God with a request and we ask of the Lord, many a times we think that the prayer has not been answered or the answer has delayed. But the will of God, just as we've said last week, it's um, when we pray, we're activating the will of God. The will of God that we are talking about is tied up in the principle of time. So God perfects all things in his own time. So when a prayer seems to be delayed, it doesn't mean that God is intentionally delaying it. But what it means that it shall be done in his own perfect timing. Amen. We also establish the fact that there are certain times where we actually pray and the prayer is not answered at all. The prayer is not answered. It's not as if it's delayed. It's not answered. And we establish the fact that the reason why we don't get the answers to those prayers is just as James chapter 4 verse 3 says. We ask with wrong motives. We ask out of enviness, out of selfishness, out of the fact that we want to gratify ourselves. And because of that, our motive for asking is different and is wrong and it's not consistent with the will of God. And because of that, we ask and we don't get any response from God. Amen. And so the prayer becomes ineffective because we are asking outside the will of God with the wrong motive. 
Amen. We also establish the fact that these motives that we are calling wrong motives mostly or all the time comes from our flesh and it forms the basis of our will. Just as Jesus prayed that not by will, by your will be done. Jesus was aware of the fact that there's a distinction between his will and the will of the Father. And many a times our will is based on this selfish motivation or selfish motives. They are based on the fleshy motivation or fleshy motives. Amen. And so remember that our motives normally, they are not expressed in words. They are kept in our hearts. They are in our minds, even though they are not said, but they are louder than our prayers. So many a times we come before the Lord praying for something to be done in our lives. We are believing God for something to be added or believing God for a breakthrough. But many a times our motives are so wrong. And even though our motives are not expressed in works, they are very loud. They are in fact louder than the prayers that we are making. And in fact, God hears our motives before he hears our prayer. So one thing that we have to do is activating the will of God in our lives through prayer. One thing that we ought to do and must do is to align our motives with the word of God and with the will of God. And so if our motives are consistent with the word of God, if our motives are in line with the will and the word of God, then our prayers are answered. Amen. And so when Jesus told them that when you pray, say your will be done, what he's telling them is that, it is not about your will, which is based on your own selfish motive, but a will which is programmed by the will of God. And so we are praying in line with the will of God, activating that will to come into fruition in our lives. In Jesus name. Amen. So we're going to move on to our last scripture on the on the topic on the topic. Prayer is the activation of God's will or the activation of divine will. We, we briefly touched on this scripture, but we're going to make some few points on it before we move on. So 1 John chapter 5, 1 John chapter 5 from verse 14 to 15. 1 John chapter 5 from verse 14 to 15. I read from the New King James Version. It says, now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Verse 15. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petition that we have asked of him. Amen. I want us to take certain things and um, uh, note certain things out of this scripture. It says, this is our confidence. Amen. Prayer requires confidence. It's an expression of your confidence in God. It says, this is our confidence. This is the confidence that we have. And this confidence is not in ourselves, but the confidence is in God. Amen. And then he goes on and says that if we ask anything, there's no limit to what you can ask God. He says if we ask God anything according to his will, he hears. Amen. So a prayer which is heard by God is a prayer that is centered on the will of God. Amen. And so when we pray outside the will of God, we are praying amiss. We are not hitting the target because we are not praying according to the will of the Father. Amen. And it says when we do this, we know. That's a statement of assurance. That's a statement of confidence. If we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know, again, the same word again, we know that we have the petition that we have asked of him. Amen. And so a prayer that is based on the will of God, that is based on the word of God, 
uses out or gives out or emits confidence. Amen. That's the first thing that we have to take note of. A prayer that is based on the will of God is a confident prayer. Amen. Now, let's appreciate this. It's a confident prayer not because you have fasted and prayed. It's a confident prayer not because you prayed for a long time. It's confident. You are confident about your prayer because your prayer is based on the will of the Father. And you have confidence in God. And so, a person that is full of confidence in God prays in confidence. Amen. And so, he says that this is the confidence that we have in him. Now, let's take note of this. When you lack confidence, when you lack confidence in your prayer, the enemy knows that you lack confidence. The enemy knows it because you are praying outside the will of God. And because you are praying outside the will of God, you don't have the confidence to pray. We said last week that many a times we ask these things not because we want to expand the kingdom of God, but our motives are crying out to say that we are asking that God bless my business Bless my uh, my company. Bless the handiworks of my handiworks. Bless my financial life. Not because you want to be of a source of blessing unto others, but you are doing it because you want to amass wealth for yourselves, so that people will acknowledge you when you ro- you run into a place or when you are you 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 find yourself in a place. Amen. Or in the house of God, you want to be the most important person in the house of God, and with such motives, you are acting out of the will. Of God or outside the will of God. Now let's appreciate this. Your confidence should be based on God's ability to deliver. Your confidence should be based on God's ability to deliver. Not your ability in your prayer, not in the eloquence of your prayer, not in the kind of um, the length of your prayer, or probably the things that you think you've done in your prayer, but it's confidence in the ability of God to deliver. Because he's already willing to perform his word. God is willing to perform his word. And so when we pray according to the word and the will of God, we have the confidence that because he's willing to perform his word, he is going to do it. Amen. So your confidence should not be in your prayer, but in him. Amen. Now we're going to make our last point and then we enter today's main lesson. And I believe that God is going to bless us wonderfully. Now, our last point on the lesson prayer is the activation of God's will is God hears and acts on a prayer, which is said on the basis of his will. God hears, not just hears, but he acts on it. And so in first John chapter five, the first 15 says that if we know that he hears, then we know that he has answered. Amen. And so God hears and acts on the prayer, which is based on the will of God. Amen. So just as a way of um, bringing us back to base, what we've been talking about is the art of prayer. The art of prayer from the basis of Matthew chapter 6 from verse 9 to 13. That's what we've been talking about for the last seven weeks. Today is the eighth week. And so we are moving on to our seventh lesson because there are sometimes we are not able to finish a whole lesson in a day. So we are in the eighth week, but on the seventh lesson. Amen. So let's stay with us. Let's stay together and buy into the mind of God. Amen. So our next lesson is entitled prayer is a daily feed. Prayer is a daily feed. Amen. So we're going to go back to our key scripture and see where it says that. That prayer is a daily feed. Amen. So I'm reading from Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 to 13. Amen. 
In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. That's the reading of God's word. Now let's go back to it again and let's see where God says in his word that prayer is a daily feed. Now it says this. We said that uh, when you pray our father in heaven, we talked about that. Hallowed be thy name. Prayer is praise. We talked about that. Uh, uh, prayer is name calling. We've talked about that. Prayer is the invite for the kingdom of God. We talked about that. And then last week, we said, finishing up this week, we said that prayer is activating the will of God. That's let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, let's appreciate this. It says, give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. And so prayer is a daily feed. Amen. Prayer is the feeding which is based on daily kind of commitment to God. In communion in prayer. So prayer is a daily feat. Amen. Now let's appreciate this. The disciples were taught to say. Give us this day our daily bread. To highlight that prayer is a daily lifestyle. So you don't pray today and say because I pray today. I can let go for a couple of days and then pray uh, some days after. Or I pray this week so I'll pray next month. It says, give us this day our daily bread. And so Jesus taught them to understand that prayer is a daily feat. It is a daily lifestyle. It's a daily lifestyle. So daily, we come before the Lord and say, God, we have come before you in prayer. And so Jesus was teaching them that principle that you pray every day on daily basis. Amen. So let's appreciate this. Prayer is your lifeline. And it ought to be done at least on daily basis. Amen. So you don't pray today and forget to pray tomorrow. It's your lifeline. And so Jesus said that when you pray, say, give us this day our daily bread. That is to say that prayer is a daily lifestyle. Amen. And so Jesus says to, it says them, it tells them so. So prayer is a lifeline and ought to be done on daily basis. Now let's appreciate this. Every day is new and requires a communion time with your father through prayer. Every day is new. Every single day is new. And so when God gives us the grace to get up, those of us uh, uh, joining in from the prayer line in the States, you are in the morning, in the UK, we are in the afternoon. But as soon as you get up from your bed, what you say is that, God, I thank you for a new day. And I thank you for new provisions for this day. Amen. So every day is new and it requires a communion time with the Father through prayer. Amen. So Jesus says to the disciples, Say that give us this day our daily bread. Amen. A daily lifestyle. Now let's appreciate this. God makes available new experiences and new provisions for us on every new day. So every new day, there's a new experience. So you get up in the morning, you tell yourself that God, you have given me a fresh opportunity. You have blessed me with another day. Yesterday is gone, but today has come. And I know that you're going to do something new in my life, just as the psalmist said. And so every new day is a new experience, a new provision. 
And so that is what Jesus was telling them. He was not just telling them to recite the Lord's Prayer, but he was teaching them principles about prayer, about the art of prayer. That is a daily commitment. It's a daily commitment. It's a daily lifestyle. And so every new day with new experiences, new provisions, and so we need to go before the Lord in prayer. Amen. The Bible says in Lamentations chapter 3, 22 to 23, it says the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. They are renewed every morning. And so God gives us new day for new opportunities. And so prayer should be a daily experience, not a weekly experience, not an annual experience or even monthly experience. Amen. Now let's take note of this. Up to this point, we have been on our four, uh, our 12, uh, our seventh lesson on our eighth week. And this for the first time, the Lord's prayer has made mention of the disciples asking for something. So not up to this point in the Lord's prayer that the disciples had not been taught to ask anything yet. They started off with a relationship with the Father, acknowledgement of the Father and where He sits in heaven, and the fact that He's different from our earthly biological fathers, hallowing His name in praise, calling on His name, calling on His kingdom, and calling for His will to be done. And then after that, He asks them or He teaches them to say, Give me. So it means that prayer is not about God, give me. It is more to prayer than that. So Jesus was not teaching them that prayer is, is, uh, uh, is just coming to, to, to the Father to ask for things. That Jesus was teaching them that prayer is a daily commitment unto God. Saying that God, in the name of Jesus, I've come before you as a son, as a child. I want to commune with you. Not because I've come with a list of things that has to be done for me. Amen. And so now let's appreciate this. Prayer is not a list of requests. Prayer is not a list of requests. Many a times we get into prayer and all that we do is God my business, God my marriage, God my finances, God my this. And it's a list of things before God to be answered or even believing God for your loved ones. But it's not about that. It's about communion. It's a daily communion with our God, the Father in heaven. Amen. So prayer is not a list of requests, but prayer is a daily feed. Amen. Now let's appreciate this. It is not that God cannot make a one-off deposit or provision to cater for our lives, our lifelong needs. Now let's appreciate this. Not as if God is running out of resources, that you have to come unto him every day and he gives you something little for the rest of the day. God is not rationing his provision. That is not a principle. It doesn't say that God is not had enough for, uh, for, for your morrow, for your next week and next year. And so he's just got enough for you today. And so you come to him and out of his limited resources gives you something for the day. That is not a principle. The principle is that God wants us to, us to come to him every day in prayer. Not because we are asking anything, but coming unto him daily in prayer. Now let's appreciate this. So God is able to provide for us to cater for our lifelong needs. We can go before the presence of God and say, God, give me all that I need for my life. And God will give you. God can do that. But it's not about that. God seeks and yearns for relationship and communion with him through prayer. And so he says, give me this day. 
our daily bread so that you come to him tomorrow. Not to come and ask per se, but just to come and have fellowship with him. Amen. Now let's appreciate this. He yearns for a daily communion with us. That's why he says, when you pray, say, give us this day our daily bread so that we come to him daily, not to come and ask, but to commune with him daily. That's the principle. Now let's appreciate this. God does not give us daily fiscal rations. God doesn't do that. When you go to places where there's a limited resource and there's limited food, when you go to the army, they give them rations because they don't have enough like they have in their normal life. They're in a war front. And so they have to do with the little that they have. And so God is not in the same business of rationing out his blessing. God can give more. Now listen to this. When we talk about ration, we are talking about limited amount of something that one person is allowed to have. We can have all things. It's not as if we are not allowed to have the full blessings of God. We are allowed to get the full blessings of God. Especially when there's not much. That's the idea of a rationing. There's not much. And ration also means that total amount of food that is given to someone to be eating during a particular activity or in a particular period of time. So it's not as if God is rationing out his resources. But God says that I want you to come to me because I want a daily communion with you. Amen. That's the principle. Now let's appreciate this. God does not have limited resources. Let's appreciate that. God's resources are limitless. What God can provide, what God can supply, what God can give is unlimited, is limitless. Amen. Because the Bible says in Philippians 4 verse 19, it says he supplies all our needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. It means that Christ, uh, it means that God is rich in all sense. He is rich in glory. He is rich in resources. He is rich in provision. And so God is not limited. God is able to supply all our needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Amen. And so it's not as if God is not good enough for you for tomorrow. So you come before him and get a little bread. Give us this day our daily bread. And then when you come tomorrow, probably God has got more for you. That is not the principle. The principle is that God wants you to come to him every day. Amen. So let's also appreciate this. Because in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20, God says this. That is able to give unto us exceedingly, abundantly, above what we ask or even imagine. So it means that God is not limited. Such that he wants you to come to him daily. That he gives you a bread for today. And then tomorrow you come for another bread for tomorrow. That is not a principle. Because he's able to give exceedingly, abundantly, above what we ask or even imagine. Amen. And so there's even limited limit to what we can ask God. God is not limited in supply, but we are limited in request. Amen. So let's appreciate that. Therefore, do not reduce prayer to a list of fiscal needs or a shopping list. Prayer is not a shopping list. Prayer is not a list of fiscal needs. And so when we come before the presence of God, we have to seek that communion. We have to seek that relationship 
and not just honoring God to honor the list of, 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 of things that we have on our shopping list. Amen. We have to understand that prayer is more than presenting God a list of physical <coughs> needs. Amen. Praise the Lord. Remember, we are talking about the topic, the topic, prayer is a daily feed. From Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 to 13, which is the Lord's Prayer. Now, let's appreciate this. If that's not what God is saying, if God is not saying that he's rationing out his, his, his provision and meeting our needs on a daily basis so that we'll come with a shopping list, then, then if that is not the case, then what is it that God is saying? This is what Jesus is trying to teach the disciples. He says, prayer feeds our spirits as well as our whole being. That's what Jesus was teaching them. He says, like bread to the physical body, prayer is feeding to the spiritual man. So I'm teaching you that it's not about coming to me with a list of things that you want me to do. I can do that. I can do exceedingly, abundantly, above what you ask or imagine. I'm able to give and provide all your needs according to the riches of glory in Christ Jesus. I can do that. But it's not about that. But coming before me is that you are feeding your spirit when you come before me in prayer. So by asking God for our daily bread means he wants us to come to him at least on daily basis to feed our spirits. The lack of daily time with God starves our spirits. For some of us, our spirits are hungry because we don't pray. We pray by accident. We pray when things are bad. We pray as if it's a shopping list. If we pray as if we have a shopping list and a list of requests that we want God to honor, we will not be able to feed enough our spirits because prayer is beyond and above that. Amen. And so prayer feeds our spirit and feeds our own whole being. And so asking him that God give us this day our daily bread, it means that God wants us to come to him daily basis to feed our spirits. So the lack of daily time with God starves our spirits and render it void of power. For some of us, we, we are not experiencing the power that we ought to experience because of lack of prayer time. Because back to the Ephesians 3 verse 20, it says this, that it does exceedingly abundantly above what we ask or think according to the power that works in us. That's what it says. And the power that works in us is only activated and is only maximized when that power is, uh, that spirit is allowed to be trained through communication with God and relationship on daily basis with God. Amen. So if you are believing to see the miracle hand of God over your life and through your life, then you have to build a daily relationship with God in prayer. Prayer is a daily feed. Amen. Now, let's appreciate this. It is not so much about a fiscal provision for the disciples or for us. It is not about that. When it says, forgive me, give me this day our daily bread. It wasn't so much about that. Uh, we've talked about the fact that God can do that. It's not so much about that. It's about meeting your spiritual needs or the needs of your spirit through communion with the Father. There is a hunger in your spirit. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, David said that as as the deer pants for water, so I long after you. And so is the longing of the spirit or is the hunger of the spirit that is satisfied when we pray. It is not a physical hunger. It's the spiritual hunger. Now let's appreciate this. The feeding of one spirit through prayer should be of a great importance to every believer. Every believer. Feeding your spirit has to be very crucial to your life because it's a lifeline. So never go a day without feeding your spirit. Never get up in the morning, just get up and walk around and do whatever you want to do in the course of the day and not pray. Because if you do so, you are starving your spirit. And because you are starving your spirit, you are depriving your spirit of the power that it ought to receive from God. Amen. And so it is very important to us for us to establish that personal life in prayer. Amen. Prayer is a daily feed. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now let's appreciate this. Sometimes we lose sight of the needs of our spirit. We are so much conscious with our physical needs. And with emotional needs, they will have their, oh, their, their way. They will show up and you want to meet them. Your flesh wants to be satisfied. Your body wants to be satisfied. Yeah, everything about you except your spirit. We forget that. We lose sight that we have to feed our spirit. And so Jesus says, give us this day our daily bread. He was not just talking about physical bread, but he was talking about spiritual bread that is able to feed our spirits. Amen. We forget that our physical prosperity and well-being is dependent on our spiritual well-being. Now let me say this again. We forget that our physical prosperity and well-being is dependent on our spiritual well-being. We forget that because we think that because we are hungry, because bills are not paid, because we don't have a place to rest our heads, that should be number one on the priority list. And so that is what we go before God with. But we need to understand that our fiscal prosperity and our, our fiscal well-being is dependent on our spiritual well-being. Amen. Because the Bible says this in 3 John 1-2. It says, Beloved, I pray, I wish, my heart desire, an unexpressed prayer from my heart. I pray that you prosper in all things and be in good health just as your soul prospers. So our fiscal prosperity and the prosperity of our bodies, our well-being is dependent on our spiritual prosperity. Now let's appreciate this. It's a serious statement. Let's take it in with faith. You cannot feed your spirit by feeding your fiscal body. You cannot feed your spirit by feeding your fiscal body. But you can feed your physical body by feeding your spirit. Now let's get this into our spirit. We cannot feed our spirits by feeding our physical bodies. But the reverse is true. We can feed our physical bodies. Because when our spiritual bodies are, are fed and we are energized in the spirit, we are able to claim what is ours based on the will and the purposes of God. But when we are fed in the physical, it is not enough to cater for the feeding of the spirit. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord Jesus. 
Now we've got about five minutes to our question time, but we take as far as we can. And I believe that we stay together. Remember, we are talking about prayer is a daily feed. Amen. We are moving on very quickly to Genesis chapter 2 verse 7. Genesis chapter 2 verse 7, I say this. I'm reading from the New King James Version. Genesis 2 verse 7, it says this. And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground. And breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. Now listen to this. The Bible says after God has made the body. After God has constructed the frames of man. There was no definition to the existence of man. Without the breath of God. And so the Bible says and God breathed in him the breath of life. And man became a living soul. Now. Our spirit is the God part in us. Is the God part in us. Remember that your spirit is an alien to this world. It's that bit that never came from the world. Because the Bible says that it took the dust of the earth and formed our bodies. But the spirit being came directly from God. That is why the only way to feed your spirit is to commune with the spirit of God. That is why the only way to feed your spirit is to pray to God. And so Jesus says, you do that on daily basis and say, God, feed my spirit. Amen. Now let's appreciate this. So our spirit is the God part in us. According to the scripture we read in Genesis chapter 2 verse 7. Therefore, the only way the spirit is revived, the only way the spirit is fed, is through prayers and through prayers and reflections on the word of God. That is the only way. If we want our spirits to be revived, if we want our spirits to be fed, then it has to be done through prayer and through reflection on the word of God. Amen. So we reflect on the word of God. We meditate on the word of God. We commune with God in prayer. And whilst we do this, the Bible says that we allow that feeding of the spirit to take place. Amen. Now let's appreciate this. As your spirit connects with the spirit of God through prayer, your spirit is fed and revived. Our spirits are hungry for a relationship with the spirit of God. That is why Jesus was teaching them to appreciate that you go before the father on daily basis so that your spirit Will be fed and revived. Our spirits are hungry for a relationship with God and with His Spirit. And so we go before God to feed our spirits. Now, as a way of caution, don't starve your spirit of its daily supplies. Don't starve your spirit of its daily supplies. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Then we're going to move on again. To Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. And based on that scripture, we're going to say some very seven fundamental truths about prayer. Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. There's been a decree that nobody should pray. Nobody should uh, pray to any other deity in the land. But now in the verse 10, Daniel says this. And now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, it was agreed. It has been enacted. It's a law now. It is illegal to pray. That's what it was. 
in his upper room, he went home. He went home. And in his upper room, the Bible says, with the windows open towards Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. Amen. Now let's appreciate this. There has been a law in the land that makes it illegal for anybody to pray to any deity. There's no land, a, a, a law in our land. I mean, major, ma, 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 majority of the countries around the world. There, there are not laws that prohibit you from praying. But in this case, there was a law that made it illegal to pray. Now let's appreciate this. Daniel did not allow the newly enacted law against prayer to hinder his prayer life. It didn't allow that. The kind of excuses we give for not praying are just ridiculous. Oh, because we are tired. Because we don't feel like it. I don't want to be pressured. I don't care. I don't have time. I have job. I have to go and work. I have that. There are so many excuses. Daniel did not even give himself an excuse. Even when it was illegal for him to pray. Now let's appreciate this. There was less incentive for him to pray. Because there's punishment. Less incentive for him to pray. He was restricted from praying. Are you restricted? He was also distracted from praying. He was to be discouraged from praying. Because there's a law now. Now let's pray. Now let's, let's look at this. He was also meant to be put off. He was meant to be afraid to pray. But he did not. Amen. So Daniel had a culture of praying. He had a lifestyle of daily praying. In this case, the Bible says that he prayed three times in a day. How many times do we pray a day? If you are lucky and fortunate, the only prayer we pray is probably when we are praying over our food. Or probably when we are going to sleep. But Daniel prayed three times. Not because he needed anything. But he was so much accustomed to, 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 uh, to, to meeting the needs of his spirit. That he prayed three times in a day. Now I'm going to say seven things. Very simple things. That Daniel did. Daniel did seven things in the scripture. Now the first one. Very simple principles. He had the desire to pray. It was obvious. There's been a law. Don't pray. The Bible says that he went home and he started praying. So he had the desire to pray. We should have the desire to pray. Jesus says for you to be able to come before me daily. It means you need to have the desire. Coming to me for the bread of your soul. And also to have your, your fiscal needs as a, as, as, a, as a bonus to it. We should have the desire. He had the desire to pray. That's the principle number one. Number two. He had direction to his prayer. The Bible says that he opened the windows and he faced Jerusalem. He was joining together with the rest of the people and praying. He had a direction to his prayer. And so whenever you get up in the morning, you tell yourself, God, I thank you for the privilege you have given me to come before you. Today, I've come before you because I love you. I want to commune with you. You have to have a direction. You have to have a purpose in your prayer. Have a focus in your prayer. Amen. So that's number two. Number three. 
He made time to pray. He made time to pray. The Bible says that he went into his house. He went into the upper room. All these processes require time. Coming to the house, going to the upper room. He is making time. You know, many a times it becomes very easy for us to make excuses for not praying. Because many a times all that we do is, oh God, uh, I don't have time. I'm so tired. I work all around the clock, 24 hours. There, there are so many excuses. But Daniel made the time to pray. We have to make the time to pray. If we make time to eat, then we have to make time to pray. Amen. And so Daniel made the time to pray. That's number three. Number four. Daniel had a, pray, a place of prayer. Daniel had a place of prayer. The Bible says that he went on to the upper room. Do you have a place of prayer? Not just a physical place for prayer, but also a spiritual place of prayer. Is there any place that you can be that you cut yourself out of everything else and say, God is all about you. My focus is on you. I want to fall in love with you. I want to know you more. And so I've come to feed my spirit. Do we have the same attitude? Do you have a place of prayer? Daniel had a place of prayer. Amen. That's principle number four. Number five. He prayed at home. He prayed at home. We think that is a simple thing. He prayed at home. The Bible says that not because he didn't want to pray in the public place, but he went home to pray. It means that prayer should start from the home. Many of us, we don't pray at home. We only pray at church. When we go to church, then we pray. And when we come home and we go to our workplaces, we do any other thing that we want to do. But the Bible says that Daniel went home and he prayed at home. So pray from home. Pray in your workplaces. Pray on your way to work. Pray at uh, wherever you find yourself. Daniel came home and he prayed. Let prayer be a hallmark of your home. Pray with a family. Pray on your own. Pray and say, God, I just want to love you. I just want to appreciate you. I'm hungry for you. I want my spirit to be fed. Because my spirit can only be fed by communing with you. Amen. So that's the principle number five. He prayed at home. Number six. He had a high frequency to his prayer. The Bible says in this scripture, he prayed three times a day. He had a frequency to his prayer. He did not just pray once and then forgets to pray the next day. But the Bible says that he prayed three times in a day. He had a high frequency. How many times do we pray in a day? How many times do we pray in a week? God is calling us to a point of understanding that prayer is a daily feed. And so we ought to feed our spirits on daily basis. Daniel had a high frequency to his prayer. He would pray three times a day and it was a custom. Amen. So that leads us to the seventh principle. Daniel had a lifestyle of prayer. Daniel had a lifestyle of prayer. That is to say that Daniel had a custom of praying. Amen. And so he had a custom of praying because he knew that the only way he can feed his spirit even though he was a prominent man in a foreign land, the only way that he can get his spirit fed, because the supplies, the fiscal supplies were there, the spiritual supplies were lacking. The only way he could get it was on his knees praying unto God. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord Jesus. We've got about some few minutes left, but we're going to just raise one more scripture and then we expound on it. One more scripture. First Thessalonians chapter 5, 16 to 18. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18 says this. Rejoice always. 
pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ for you. That is the will. See. When we talk about the will of God. We interpret it in so many different ways. But in a very simple form. It says rejoicing always and praying always is the will of God. If we want to walk in the will of God. Then we have to build a daily feeding lifestyle through prayer. Amen. It says rejoice always. Pray without season and in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Amen. We're just going to make mention of some few principles and then we pray. Pray with joy and enjoy. Pray with joy and enjoy. For some of us, we see prayer as a chore. It's so difficult for us to pray. It says that, it says of by saying, rejoice always. And pray always. It means that you have to pray in joy and with joy. Because when you are feeding, for some of us, uh, um, when, 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 when we are eating our favorite food, we are so happy, we are excited because we are enjoying the taste of it. In the same way, with our spiritual feed, we need to eat it with joy. We have to pray with joy and we have to pray in joy. Amen. You cannot pray effectively when you feel like you are forced to pray. When you feel like you are being forced to pray. You can never pray effectively. Never feel forced to pray. Do it freely as a daily feed. Do it freely. Don't let anybody force you to pray. If anybody is forcing you to pray. It means that you are letting your spirit go hungry. Pray freely. Pray with joy. And enjoy. Amen. Because prayer is important for your survival. Prayer is important for your survival. Amen. Now let's appreciate this. You should not be restricted by time. You should not be restricted by situation. You should not be restricted by occasion. You should not be restricted by your environment. Because the Bible says that we should pray always. In all seasons. Always be in the prayer mode. Always be in the prayer mode. Always be in the prayer mode. How many times do we stay in the prayer mode? We stay in the flesh mode. We stay in our appetite mode. We stay in our pleasure modes. But we don't stay in the prayer mode. If we want to pray consistently and always. And feed our spirit. Then we should be ready to stay in the prayer mood. Amen. Pray at all times with all kinds of prayers. Ephesians 6 verse 18. Praying always with all prayers. And supplication in the spirit. Because it's the feed of the spirit. From the spirit of God. It says pray at all times with all kinds of prayer. In the spirit. Being watchful to this end. With all perseverance and supplication. For all the saints. Amen. Amen. Now I'm going to raise just the last bullet point. And then we're going to just refresh ourselves on what we talked about so far. There is no limit to the number of times you can pray. Or the number of times you should pray. There's no limit. Daniel prayed three times a day. The Bible says we should pray always. So there shouldn't be any limit. 
You can pray as many times as you have the time to pray. In fact, you have to stay in the pray mode because it's a feed for your spirit. Amen. We thank the Lord for this hour. And this section we emphasized on prayer as a daily feed from Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 to 13. And he said that, it says that give us this day our daily bread. We said that it's not just about feeding the physical body or meeting our physical needs because prayer is not a shopping list, but it's a feeding of our spirit. It's not because God is rationing out his limited resources, but God wants us to come to him on daily basis. God wants that communion because out of that communion, our spirits are fed. Amen. We established the fact that we can feed our physical bodies, but it's not enough. To feed our physical bodies because it's not able to feed our spiritual bodies. But we can feed our spiritual bodies and it can help us feed our physical bodies. Amen. We also talked about uh, Genesis 2 verse 7. Our spirit being God part in us. And we should make sure that um, we activate it and revive and feed it. And then we made reference to Daniel. We said seven things about Daniel's attitude towards prayer. And then we made reference to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 16 to 18. So that is where we got to. Amen. So we're going to have a word of prayer and then we meet same time next week. Let's invite others. It is very early days going on Facebook live, but I believe that next time we're going to invite others together with those that come on the prayer line to enjoy ourselves, ourselves time in his word. Amen. May we pray. Father God, we pray. We thank you. We honor you, O God, for 